and doctrinal minister, so I rest in the fact that if I mess something up, one of them can correct it on the following Sundays, okay? So if, if there's something that doesn't seem quite right, it's never my goal, though, to preach something that isn't truth. That is not my goal. So if something comes out that doesn't seem quite right, I have no problem if people want to come and talk about it, question it, or send me a letter, or tell Terrell he needs to call and straighten me out. There's nothing wrong with that, so... <clears throat> But I had a message about two weeks ago. Back home we, had, we were preparing for our communion service. And so I was thinking of council meeting and why we do that. And so that's where this message comes from. I'm going to try and use it uh, without making you feel like you have to uh, go through council meeting. And it's not a bad thing to go through council meeting. That is a time of examining ourselves. But the subject is dealing with The common saying that we say, I have peace with God and with my fellow man and I desire to partake in communion. And something that I feel for myself, we go through these normal things. We do it how our church does it twice a year. Um, And so we go through those things and we do those things so much out of habit sometimes that we kind of forget, well, what does it really mean when I say that? And so that's where this message came from. The thought of, I have peace with God. What does that mean? What does it mean when you say you have peace with God? What does it do for the Christian when he can say he has peace with God? And I'll just mention, I I was blessed to be here so far this morning. I appreciated Brother Tim's uh, thoughts there. Thinking of peace and, and the thing of God being the one that brings that vengeance. God will deal with evil. And yes, it is in our hearts. We don't like to see evil. But God takes care of that. But the peace that a Christian can have is different from the world and what they can have. And I've seen that through the lesson as we were studying and so on this morning. And so I'm always amazed how God works things out when we have things on our mind. Why do we need to have peace with God? It was God's wrath against sin, the enemy, when man fell in the Garden of Eden. And so that sin brought about a separation between man who was innocent in his relationship with God and God himself. And so they had a relationship, but because of sin, that was split. And so man must choose to restore that peace that has been lost because of the enemy. So what brings about true peace in your heart? Is it because you've lived out every area of your life perfectly? Not made any mistakes? Haven't done anything that would be considered sin? Is it because you never say any evil words? Is that what gives you your peace? Is it the fact of being able to think back over the past three months and you can't remember anything that you've been guilty of before God? Is that what brings you peace? Or maybe you're questioning your peace because you're afraid you might have missed something. Maybe I did something to anger God. Is that my method of gaining peace of mind with God? I would tend to believe that brings about a false peace if I feel it's my abilities that brings about peace with God. Obviously, we feel guilt, and we are not at peace when we do sin. But the restoration of that peace comes from a heart that cries out to God to be healed, to be forgiven. So if it's not my abilities of doing righteous things that brings peace, what is it that brings true peace between us and God? Does it have anything to do with the amount of Bible reading I do every day and the praying I do? 
I believe that would help reveal the truth about where peace comes. But I can just put in my time of Bible reading and just praying to God in just a manner of, well, I did it, now I feel good, I have peace with God because I've done the right things. And it's good to be in good habits, I'm not saying that. But I think we can give ourselves a kind of false peace. And so what is true peace? As I was thinking about this thing of peace, it struck me that who doesn't want peace in the world today? Even the people of the world would like to have peace of mind about things. I would think the opposite of peace is fear. That is the opposite of peace. So what are people doing to control the fear that is in their lives? People are afraid of dying, and and some want to, uh, some more than others, they go to great efforts to extend their life expectancy. They don't want to die, so they do all sorts of things to try and keep themselves healthy, and and health is a good thing. We need to be careful with our bodies. But they're afraid to die, and so then to find peace, they find methods to keep themselves from dying. Then what about, uh, you know, something that I feel is a, a big fear of people is death. They don't know anything about the afterlife, and so that's why they do things. Some people choose to buy guns and ammos to have a good store to protect themselves. They're afraid of being hurt by others or the evil man and so on, so they want to have protection. That's a peace of mind to them. <clears throat> Or maybe it's about the IRS. People are concerned about this and that. They're taking too much money and so on. And so you see all sorts of advertisements about, well, if you do this and this, and they won't be able to take all that money from you. You know, people find peace in their money. Is their money safe? Is, Is there enough money? Am I doing everything I can to collect enough money? I need to have peace because of the money. You know, you think about people that are investing, investing in stock markets to the point where then they find out they're losing a certain amount and they commit suicide. There's no peace there. You hear gold being advertised. That's the only true source of financial peace. Or what about having emergency food stocked up in your pantry for any kind of natural disaster, some crazy happening that might just... Make so we don't have the normal things we have. And so their peace comes in how much they have stored up in case something drastic would happen. Or they have the fear today of identity theft. You have to protect yourself online and so on. So there's so many things you can buy and protect yourself with. Now just because I've mentioned these things doesn't mean they're all a sin. Doesn't mean that there's not precautions we take in life. But I just want us to get an idea of why people do these things is because they're afraid. They want peace. And so my question to us, to myself, is what am I looking to for peace of mind in my own life, my own Christian life? I think one thing that brings about fear is not being able to see the outcome of the future. One thing I thought of, if you were lying on a bed in the hospital and the doctor came in and said, we've done all that we can, there's nothing more that we can do. Would I be at peace at that? How many of us would like to answer the question, are you ready to die today? And that was something I thought with council meeting and that question, they kind of go hand in hand. Are you at peace 
with God? Would you be okay with facing death? You know, the only thing that we have as Christians is peace with God that we can have. That gives us hope to face the future, the unknown, to face death. Those hard things can be faced when we have peace with God. There is nothing, though, that can replace that peace with God in this world. So then I want to take us through some scriptures this morning that just speak about peace. There was many that we could go to. There was much more that could be said about the verses that I've chosen, but I'll go through these. Let's go to Psalms 119, verse 165. It says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. If you want peace... Love the Word. Pour your life into the Bible. Desire to pursue God through His Word. You can go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, a very familiar verse. But as I was searching for this word peace and I come across this, I was thrilled to think of it in this way. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. These were the names given to Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. Do I want peace in my life? Where do I go for it? Jesus is the Prince of Peace. You can go over to Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Peace comes from trusting in the right source. Here it says, speaking of God, that he will keep the person whose mind is stayed upon him. If we keep our minds upon him, he will keep it in perfect peace. Because we trust in God. And it says in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. It will not fail you. His peace is always there. Isaiah 48 verse 22. This one says there is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. So the wicked have no peace. Continue on, Isaiah 53, a couple chapters over there, verse 5 of 53. Very familiar again. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. I found this very interesting in dealing with peace. Remember, we as man, we were separated from God. Because of sin, here it tells us that the chastisement of our peace, the punishment that we deserved, it was upon Him. He received the punishment, the pain of the cross, because I needed peace. Brought back that restoration between myself and God, and so do you. Each one of us needed what He did on the cross. Go to the New Testament, into the Gospel of John chapter 14, verse 26 and 27. It says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. 
Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So Jesus was speaking to his disciples, yet totally relevant to us today. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. And then he says, not as the world giveth. Remember all those other things we talked about earlier. That the world seeks for peace. Jesus says his peace is different. This is my peace. In fact with this peace he says you don't have to be troubled. Your heart does not have to be afraid. You see those people who are seeking it in the guns and the ammo and the money and so on. They think they have peace but they're still afraid. The material things cannot offer a peace that removes all turmoil. Go over to John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus tells us here that in him we can have peace. But he does not say that we will never face a world with Trials and troubles, but rather he says, ye shall have tribulations in the world. So we can know those things are going to come, but he said, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. What does he mean when he says, I have overcome the world? You know, overcoming the world means the curse of sin, the eternal punishment that we as man face because of sin. Jesus had the victory over the enemy, over death. The worst evil in this world cannot take away from you eternal salvation as a Christian. Rather, in the face of all evil, the Christian can still have the peace of God, knowing that he has given us eternal life after this world. Let's go over to Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. He says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So here it says that when we're justified, when we're made righteous in God's sight by faith, then we have peace with God through Christ. So without Christ and his work on the cross, we could not have peace with God. Let's go over to Romans chapter 8, verse 6 through 17. And, and this passage has so much in it, I think you could have multiple messages. But I'm going to just grab some of the verses. But let's read 6 through 17. He says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because a carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. 
For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. You notice he talked about being carnally minded, and he said it's death. Being what causes people to seek out things, death, the thought of death. They want something to bring peace into their lives, but here we can see they will never find it, but rather... If we become spiritually minded, we will have life and peace. Verse 8 tells us that living out of our flesh, we cannot please God. Living for myself, not wanting to give over those things to God in my life, not submitting to Him. That's living for myself, and I cannot please God that way. He tells us if we live after the flesh, we shall die. There's no other option if I live for myself. And that's not just speaking to the physical death, but to the spiritual death of eternal separation from God. But then, the flip side is that if you mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. How well are you mortifying the deeds or putting to death the deeds of the body? How well am I doing? Notice, he says, if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. You cannot do well mortifying the deeds of your body on your own. You must have the help of the Spirit. There's a choice I have to make, yes, to cry out to the Spirit to help. But when we do that with the Spirit's help, there's the promise of life and peace. It brings into our hearts when we cry out to the Spirit and He leads us. <clears throat> said something about the power of the resurrection of Christ. That can dwell in our hearts. That's the power that we need to live above sin in this world. <clears throat> and notice it also said, and as sons of God, it says we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. That is the opposite of peace, the spirit of bondage of fear that bondage of fear i think it refers to the fear of separation from god facing god's wrath as a christian having found that christ is my restoration of peace with god i don't have to fear eternal punishment or death or being separated from god again but rather i have confidence of being able to call directly to god as my father he says we are sons we can call to him abba father there's relationship there that we can have that when i face difficult things in the world when my peace is being tempted to be gone and i'm fearing things i can cry out abba father help me restore that peace <clears throat> let's go to romans 10 verse 15 and I know I'm grabbing these verses and we're jumping in the middle of passages and that can be a dangerous thing if you take scripture out of context so I don't want to do that but I caught one phrase in here but then as I thought about it more there's even more to it but it says how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things I was after the phrase of gospel of peace, but the beautiful are the feet. That's not my feet only. That's not your minister's feet only. 
We are all to be preaching this gospel of peace to the world, to the community around us, wherever we are. And it's a beautiful thing as this gospel of peace goes out. What does that mean? The world has no peace. They don't know where to find true peace. We have the peace as Christians. We know that our peace is found in Christ through His blood and through Him paying for my sins. And everyone can find that if they only know the truth. And so we have this gospel of peace to deliver to the world around us. And they see it in our lives as we rub shoulders with the world every day that we're different. And so is that peace Something that I am preaching, the gospel of peace, is that going out of my mouth, out of my life every day to the world around us. So don't just think that that verse specifically means the preacher's feet are beautiful. We have all been given that commission to preach forth the gospel of peace that we have been given. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4 verse 7. It says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Here's something this peace of God does for us. It passes all understanding. We may not understand why certain things happen. October 7th, why did those terrorists, why does God allow these things to happen? You may be going through something difficult and wonder, why does God allow this to happen? But his peace passes all understanding. I don't have to understand. I don't have to have an answer for every difficult situation. But I can know that God is still there. And that one day I can stand in eternity with him if I am faithful. And so God's peace is enough to keep our hearts and minds. To keep our focus upon him. Don't focus on the world and the evil that's in it. But keep your focus upon him. Let's go to Colossians 1, 19 through 24. For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Yet now hath he reconciled, and in the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight, if ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh, for his body's sake, which is... The church. So it pleased God, it says, our Father, that in Christ was all things completed. And He's made peace through the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross. And by doing this, He reconciled all things unto God. And we, it says, who were alienated, we were strangers, we were enemies of God. But now He, Christ, has reconciled us in order... To present you and me presentable, unblameable, unreprovable in God's sight. And can you only continue to be unblameable and unreprovable in His sight as long as you keep doing good things? Is that what makes you unblameable and unreprovable? That you live a totally perfect life. 
He says, if you continue in the faith grounded and settled. What is the faith? Faith in the blood of Jesus being that which made peace between God and man. It's Christ's blood that makes us presentable, unblameable, unreprovable in in the sight of God. And he says, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. The hope of the gospel is that we have eternal life with God, that God's plan is capable of saving sinful man. He can save us from his own wrath because of Christ's blood. Colossians 3.15 says this, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. The peace of God needs to be ruling in my heart. Am I thankful for that peace of God today that can rule in our hearts? 1 Thessalonians 5.23 And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here it says that the God of peace will sanctify you holy. It's the God of peace that desires to have peace with us, to have a relationship. He will sanctify. He cleanses us. He makes us whole and complete and righteous before himself. It's not my good works that makes me this way, but God himself who gave his son to bring that reconciliation of peace between man and God. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 16. Says, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you all. So God is the God of peace. He alone gives you his peace by all means. He doesn't withhold some. He wants to give you all of his peace. So how do I gauge the peace that I have with God? Is it off of how well I'm doing in my abilities? I kind of stress through this message the thing of it's not me, it's God's peace. It's what Christ did on the cross. And I'm not trying to do away with obedience to God and His Word. I would never want to do that. But I want to go to Ephesians chapter 2 yet. And read verses 8 through 22. He says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. Wherefore remember that ye, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision, in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world." But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, 
who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and he that and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. <clears throat> We're saved by His grace through faith, in His blood, not of anything that I have done. I wasn't good enough, and God said, oh, finally, okay, I can accept you now. <clears throat> It's not of my works, lest I should boast, or lest I should gain a peace with God through my works. <clears throat> you notice also uh, the possession of God over His people that He has purchased. We are now His workmanship through Christ. We are now created unto good works. And God ordained that we should walk in them. So obedience... And the good works of the Christian life, it happens because of the change in our life of recognizing what Christ has done and making peace between us and God. In verse 12 he says, you were without Christ, you were aliens, you were strangers, you had no hope. But because of Christ coming to the cross, we're made nigh to God by his blood and he is our peace. And so what I would stress, does obedience happen in the works that we do for God? Does it happen because I am afraid of God? Or should obedience happen because I desire to obey God because of what He's done for me? I can't create, yes, I can create a false peace with God by looking back and seeing, well, I haven't done anything bad, I haven't said anything wrong, but the fact is we're humans, and we're going to mess up, and we're going to have to ask Him to forgive us. We have to repent, we have to turn from those things and restore that peace, but always knowing that it's the peace of Christ that He shed His blood on the cross for you and me, and He desires to give us His peace. He doesn't want us living in turmoil. And that needs to be given to the world around us. In today's world especially, I think we are looking at times where there's going to be less and less peace and more turmoil in the minds of the world around us. And so I challenge you, keep sharing the gospel of peace with those around you and living it out of a heart that loves God. And keep obeying and walking with Him and remaining faithful to God every day. May the Lord bless you. Brother Terrell, I'll turn the time over to you.